You're listening to the DNB Supply Show podcast, your number one resource for living the country lifestyle. This is your host, Matt Breckwald, coming to you from my place in the country to yours. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to the DNB Supply Radio Show. Thank you so very much for joining us here again this week. This is Matt Breckwald, your host, and we are just thrilled to have you with us again. Well, here we are. Hunting season is upon us. And you know what? Over here in Idaho, there are a lot of changes this year. And today we're going to have on Greg Wooten, the Enforcement Bureau Chief from the Idaho Department of Fish and Game, to talk all about those changes. Now, everybody, if you're going to be hunting over in Oregon as well, we did another episode with Oregon Department of Fish and Wildlife for you, and you can find that over on the D&B Supply Show podcast. So don't forget to check that out. You can find the podcast on SoundCloud as well as iTunes, where we've got even more information about the new changes and what's going on in Idaho this year, plus a whole separate episode all about hunting in the state of Oregon if you're going to be crossing the border and hunting over there as well. All right, everybody, enjoy the show. Greg, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining me again. My pleasure. There's a bunch of updates to uh, hunting laws to talk about, and it's coming right up. So we're going to explore all that today again. I wonder if really quick before we start, if we could just have you give a brief introduction of yourself and, and what you do to our audience one more time. Sure. My name is Greg Wooten. I'm the chief of enforcement for Idaho Department of Fish and Game. I've been the chief for about three years, and I've been with the agency almost 30 Well, we're going to jump right in because there's a bunch of changes to talk about this year, and we're going to start off with uh, trespassing. So what's going on there? Yeah, so the Idaho State Legislature passed a new trespass bill this last legislative session. So there are changes from what we have seen in the past, and I think some of the biggest changes are uh, the requirements for private landowners to sign their property. So previously, a landowner had to put signs up every eighth of a mile every 660 feet. That can become a burden if you have large tracts of land that requires a lot of signs. So part of this bill removed the requirement to post the property every 660 feet. And now the requirement is for them to post such that a reasonable person would be put on notice that they're on private land. So what does that mean? Well, so there are some specifics in the rule A couple of hard things to remember is the code says that if it is associated with a home or a business, it's posted. They don't have to put signs up. Okay. If it's cultivated, so cultivated fields, which includes irrigated pasture, Mm -hmm. do not have to be posted. People are on notice that that doesn't belong to them or it is private, so they have to have permission. And then if it's fenced... They are required to put signs at roads, gates, navigable streams, Mm -hmm. and rights of way from public land entering the private property. So that could be less than 660 feet. Or if you go back to what the code says, a reasonable person has to be put on notice, some circumstances that may require more signage. So a person has to know Mm -hmm. or have reason to know that he is on private property. So I'm thinking back to what I've read in the past, and help me clear this up. It used to be signs or like blaze orange painted on fence posts or something like that. Is that right? That's correct. It does. The new code says specifically no trespassing signs or fluorescent paint. 
So fluorescent paint or no trespassing signs, both of those work equally. But now, if it's obvious or uh, it doesn't have to be every... I mean, you go by some places and every fence post has got an orange top on it. Um, And obviously that would work. But in this case, it's taking some of the burden off the landowners to sign it. Right. And some of those landowners feel more comfortable putting more signage out. That's fine. Mm -hmm. It helps them. Mm Mm-hmm. But where you have large tracts of land where even every quarter, even every eighth of a mile could become a burden or it could be, it could be more expensive. So it does. So it requires them to post on fences, the corners Mm -hmm. and then those things that I described, the gates, navigable streams, rights of way. If the property is not fenced, it still has to be posted at those locations where roads enter the private land or navigable streams or rights of way, and also at the corners of the properties. I think different than before, a fence has a little bit more meaning than it did. We have BLM out there where there's fences that are pastures. They're not property lines. Mm Mm-hmm. So people just need to be aware of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the general philosophy didn't change. It's still the sportsman's responsibility to know if he's on private property. And now uh, there is some increase in the penalties as well? Yes. If you are trespassing to hunt, fish, trap, or shoot any weapon, that is a general misdemeanor, which can carry a license revocation of one year, mm-hmm. and then it's 25 to $1,000 fine. The new code has increased those penalties on the criminal trespass side so that if you're convicted of trespassing a second time within five years Mm -hmm. or a third time within 10 years, that one can be charged as a felony and can be up to $10,000 fine. So folks need to realize that it can start to add up. Yeah. And you brought up the navigable water. What are the rules when it comes to being in a, a stream or a river or whatever it may be that's going across private ground? So Idaho Code allows folks to access navigable streams for recreational use, even if it goes through private property. Mm-hmm. There's another definition of streams where the state owns the beds and banks of the streams, and those are specifically listed in code such as the Salmon River, and some have been ruled, such as Silver Creek, to be navigable streams. Mm-hmm. But code still allows individuals, as long as you're accessing those navigable streams from a place where you legally can, a road or public land, you can go through private property within the high watermark mm-hmm. of a navigable stream to do boating, fishing, things like that. And do you have to stay in the boat, or can you be standing in the... So you can be standing. It is feet on the ground. It is allowed. The thing to be cautious of is the trespass code says that it is unlawful to enter private property without permission or to cast an object over private property. And I believe that was specifically written for hunters so that people weren't shooting over private property. So if you're walking or on a stream that's going through private land, If you're shooting and your bullet is being cast over the private property, that would be trespassing. Okay. So lots to pay attention to there. Lots. Yes. (laughs) Okay. Well, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we've got even more updates to get everybody up to date on. Say you were to ride off into the sunset. Ideally, what kind of boots and clothes would you be wearing? For horseback riders of all styles, nothing beats the look and performance of Ariat. 
available at DMB Supply. Everyone from famous rodeo cowboys to country music legends to equestrian Olympians. Turn to Ariat with confidence. You can count on them too. Think of Ariat as your ultimate riding companion for the life and times in the West. When you need to better outfit your ride with Ariat, stop by your favorite DMB Supply. Are you ready for a steal? Then stop by DNB to pick up steel power tools. German engineered, these power players offer quality that never quits. Like the Steel MS-271 Farm Boss Chainsaw, available for just $429.95 with a 20-inch bar and chain. Show your project list who's boss and leave it in your sawdust. With legendary chainsaws, dependable trimmers, forceful blowers, and epic tools of the trade, steel powers through anything. Grab a steel at your favorite DNB supply. All right, Greg. Well, now that we're back, let's talk about some of these new changes. Uh, the next one you've got listed here is Red Squirrels. Let's talk about that. Uh, yeah, recently the commission proposed to reclassify the red squirrel as an upland game animal, which the legislature did approve this last legislative session. Mm-hmm. So it is now a upland game animal, and recently the commission adopted a hunting season for the red squirrel, which opened August 30th. Okay. And so the red squirrel season coincides with the cottontail rabbit and your snowshoe hares opens August 30th and goes to March 31st. So people can now harvest eight per day red squirrels the first time we've had that season in idaho so what were they classified as prior to this rule change they were a protected non-game species okay so this is something new Mm -hmm. for those folks that like to hunt squirrel yes okay on to deer tags there is uh there's a new classification for a second deer tag yeah i just thought it would be important for folks to know that the second deer tag cannot be used in unit 10a it's pretty common for folks, particularly in southern Idaho, to harvest a mule deer, purchase a second tag, mm-hmm. and then go to northern Idaho and hunt white-tailed deer. Mm-hmm. They, they can still do that, but they cannot do it in Unit 10A. Okay. They would have to use their first tag to go hunt in Unit 10A if they wanted to do that. So it's just important for, and it's just that unit, because they're trying to reduce the harvest of bucks in that unit. So. Okay. But I think it's important for folks to know. Yeah, so a little background on stuff like that. So what leads to a decision like that to exempt one particular unit or a section of a unit from an extra tag? They've they've done some sort of research or counts or something like that, and they don't see the populations they're looking for? So I think there's a lot to that question. So we have biologists in every region who do their best and their due diligence to try to determine the health of populations, Mm -hmm. the buck-to-doe ratios, cow-to-calf ratios. That's a very difficult task, and particularly when you start talking about white-tailed deer. So it's almost impossible. What also is part of our rulemaking process is called the negotiated rulemaking process is we get input from the sportsmen of Idaho, the people of Idaho, the people who live or hunt in those areas. We get comments from them as to what they are seeing in the field. The commissioner in that region was getting a lot of information from the public that there just weren't as many big bucks as they had been seeing. And so you take all that information and try to do the best you can. And so it was decided that we believe that to be true. And a way to address that would be to reduce the number Mm -hmm. of harvest of those bucks, but it's a general unit. So we don't want to make it a controlled unit. We still want 
folks to be able to buy a tag over the counter Mm -hmm. and go hunt in that area. And so this was an option to reduce the buck harvest in that particular unit without impacting a great many people. So it's just those who are interested in a second deer. We'll just restrict it just to one deer in this unit to see if that helps. All right. Well, I'll tell you what. One more break really quick. And the reason I'm going to take a break right now is when we come back, we're going to talk about chronic wasting disease. And I want to spend some time reminding people what that is and then talk about how the rules are impacting that. Why am I wearing a lab coat and standing in your lawn? Because I'm a bare advanced lawn care scientist. And I'm about to revolutionize the way you control lawn weeds. Because with Bear Advanced season-long weed control for lawns, you get the only spray that kills listed broadleaf lawn weeds, then creates a barrier below to prevent new weeds for up to six months. One application is all it takes. Count on Bear Advanced to put revolutionary science right in your hands. Get more from the Blue Bottle. Always read and follow label instructions. We love George Strait for more than his music. After 56 number one singles, George is still a family man and a real cowboy. That's why we love him, and that's why he wears nothing but Wrangler. The George Strait Cowboy Cut Collection by Wrangler has a huge selection of styles a cowboy can be comfortable wearing anywhere. So head to your favorite D&B supply and try the George Strait Cowboy Cut Collection by Wrangler. Long live cowboys. All right, Greg. Well, now that we're back, let's take a minute and talk about chronic wasting disease. I know there's some new rules uh, impacting the movement of carcasses and things like that when it comes to that. But can we start off by kind of explaining what chronic wasting disease is to everybody? Yeah, I'll do my best. So it's a neurological disease, which is caused by infected proteins. And, you know, I don't know all the science behind it, but Mm -hmm. from an Idaho resident, so I grew up in Idaho and folks might be familiar with uh, scrapie in sheep. Mm -hmm. That is also an infected protein neurological disease similar to chronic wasting disease. Okay. So, because there's also a similar disease in bovine and there is crotchfield Jacobs disease, which is, is the similar disease in humans. It's never been confirmed that any of those domestic animal or wild animal forms can be picked up by humans. Got it. So I don't want to cause any people to be afraid of that. We, that has not been determined or hasn't been found. It is also a slow growing disease. So I don't want folks to get too scared that if it is detected here, that it's going to be a catastrophe. Sure. Colorado has had it for, you know, 30, 40 years. Mm-hmm. And even in states where it's been there for a long, long time, they don't often see large scale population impacts. Okay. So it can be, it can be managed. It was recently found in Wyoming on the Idaho border. Okay. So that's the, that's as close as we've had chronic wasting disease detected. And so- common sense would tell folks, well, it's it's only a matter of time before we detect it in Idaho if it's not already here. So when people are out in the field and they're observing animals, if you see some strange behavior by a deer or something like that, uh, it can be an indication of this, yes? Oh, absolutely. And I would discourage folks from harvesting and consuming a deer that is exhibiting strange behavior. And I would also encourage them to call Idaho Department of Fish and Game and pass along the location of that deer so that we could go maybe harvest the deer and test it, or we can chemically restrain it and see if we can't take some samples to do the testing. There's visible 
signs of chronic wasting disease. They they just look in very poor, skinny condition, and they just look very sick. They look sick. And then what are some of the behavioral things they might be doing? So they would not run away. So they okay. lose their fear. It's I don't know that it's that's the correct descriptor. Maybe they just can't run away anymore. <laughs> okay. But typically, you can get a lot closer to an animal with chronic wasting disease than, than you can with a healthy animal. Okay. And they, the hair looks bad. Like I say, they just look skinny, and they're just not behaving normal. Okay. All right. Very good. Now, how have the laws or the rules changed in terms of this? So the we and the commission uh, has recognized that with it found in in Wyoming, it's mm-hmm. potentially coming here. And so they're trying to get ahead of the curve to try to prevent chronic wasting de- disease from coming to the state of Idaho. And so there's a few things that they just recently adopt that are in effect that folks really need to know. Folks who want to go to Montana and harvest a deer or mm-hmm. Wyoming and harvest a deer and Utah and harvest a deer, currently you cannot bring those back into the state of Idaho. So they have banned the import of those carcasses into the state of Idaho. Period. So there's some exceptions. Okay. So the main thing that where these prions are found are in the brain mm-hmm. and in the spinal cord. Okay. So those are the parts of the deer that we do not want to come into Idaho. So if you've boned your animal and you leave the spine and brain in the state where chronic waste, you're good. Okay. And so we want just the meat to be legal to come into Idaho, mm-hmm. preventing that brain and the and the spinal cord. And I know that's kind of confusing because what the rule specifically says is only a, a dried skull or a dried skull cap, cut and wrapped meat, can or quarters can mm-hmm. in, can enter the state of Idaho. Now people are going to say, well, what does that mean? And so I think the most important message is. We don't want the brain or the spinal cord coming to Idaho. So if you can do everything you can to prevent those from crossing the state lines, Mm -hmm. you're okay. Now, typically, if you cap a mule deer or an elk and let it sit, it doesn't take long for that to dry. And that would be considered a dry skull cap. Okay. So for the hunter that goes out of state to one of these states, Montana, Wyoming, and they shoot something that they want to have mounted... Mm-hmm. Um, and they want to do, you know, they want to do a head mount. So they're not capping it. They're not taking off the the horns on the top of the skull. What are their options? They can have a taxidermy in the state of where they harvested it. Okay. There's, you know, plenty of opportunity for them to do that. If they want to do a European mount, you know, they're going to have to skin the head, take all the flesh off of it and remove the brains mm-hmm. and dry that skull. If they cap to cut the antlers off, if they cap the skull, they just need to make sure all the brain material is removed, and then they've let that skull cap dry, and, okay. that, and that can come in. So they could still bring it to Idaho to have it mounted. Okay. Now, when it comes to boning out your animal, you know, the back straps and the tenderloins, those are right up mm-hmm. near the spine. Uh, is there any concern there? Yes and no. So if you completely bone the loins off the back strap, that would be fine. Where folks... Uh, where you start to get in trouble is when you start taking a saw and cutting through the spine. Okay. So if you're like deboning it, like we talked about, and mm-hmm. you're cutting those back straps and tenderloins away and not just cutting it out like you would uh, a lamb chop or something like that with the bone in, then you're okay. Right. Got it. Got it. Got it. And so this applies to Wyoming. This applies to Montana. Does it also apply to Canada? 
Yes, it does. Okay. Uh, and there are more states. I simply, there are too many for me to list. <laughs> okay. But you can go online to chronic wasting disease and there's a map. Most of your Midwestern states have detected chronic wasting disease. So a lot of those states are included in this. Arizona is another one. Uh, but I've just named the, the ones that are the closest surrounding Idaho. Right. Got it. Okay. Take another quick break. And then when we come back, uh, we'll continue on and talk about some other regulations that have changed. Things are heating up around here at D&B. You'll see why when you check out our wide selection of high-performance stoves from Harman, Quadrifire, and Heatalator EcoChoice. These classic pellet and wood-burning stoves light up your hearth and home. They give you even heat and easy maintenance with craftsmanship that stands the test of time and really stands out. So swing on by D&B Supply and see how Harman, Quadrifire, and Heatalator EcoChoice stoves can warm up your home. What's on the grill? That's the ultimate summertime question. And you can make the answer extra special with a wood-fired Traeger grill at DB Supply. Pure hardwood is the fuel for Traeger's signature flavor. It lets you grill, smoke, baste, roast, braise, or barbecue hot and fast or low and slow with perfect results every time. Versatile, consistent, and convenient. With a Traeger, you just set it and forget it. Master the taste of summer and pick up your Traeger grill at your favorite DMB supply. All right, Greg. Well, let's talk a little bit more about chronic wasting. So this actually impacts urine as well. Yes. So natural urine of cervids has been banned for use for hunting big game in the state of Idaho because they have found the prions for chronic wasting disease can be in urine. And so we can no longer use natural urine to hunt big game. Now, Folks tend to get a little owly about that because it will still be sold in the state of Idaho. Okay. But I want folks to understand that there are lots of other things that are sold in the state of Idaho that cannot be used (laughs) to hunt. And so it's unlawful to bait big game using salt and bait, Mm -hmm. but you can buy mineral blocks. And so expandable broadheads are unlawful to use to hunt big game in Idaho in our archery seasons, but you can buy expandable broadheads. So it's not really different. It's just another thing. And it is the main message here. It is to protect Idaho's big game populations and try to prevent that chronic waste and disease from getting here. So the urine, how, when people are using this to assist them in hunting, how are they using it? So it's scent based and they're using it as an attractant. So during an elk season, you could use cow elk urine to put on shrub or somewhere mm-hmm. and then call okay elk and so they come in so now there's a there's a smell associated with also sound if you're using a cow call mm-hmm. or something like that so it's just another attractant and so is there any exception for big game urine that's collected in idaho or anything like that no the only exception would be synthetically produced okay. urines which they have and this all relates back to the previous issue we're talking about with chronic wasting disease. Yes. So many of the detected chronic wasting diseases are on domestic deer, elk mm-hmm. farms. Oh, okay. So that's, I think, also a source for mm-hmm. obtaining the natural urines. Is it known how chronic wasting disease gets transmitted from one deer to the next? It is not. Okay, so we're still looking for that answer. And in the meantime, we've got these regulations to try and stop that from happening. 
Right. Okay. Let's talk about sage grouse. That's always a hot topic, it seems like. So what's going on now? Well, so each year the commission sets the season just a a month or so before the season starts because uh, we want our biologists to have an opportunity to make a good assessment during the summer. And it's usually based on fires, what's happening with the fire season. Mm -hmm. And so the season is set. The dates are on. It's a one bird season, but we do have a couple of additional closures, one in the Owyhee and one in the Upper Snake. And it is based on some of the fires that have happened. So habitat has been damaged due to fires. And so Mm -hmm. we've closed those areas to protect the birds to see what happens next year. Now, typically what happens is the next year or the year after we go back in and do our luck routes and find that the birds are okay. And by the next season, we may open that back up. So uh, the season this year is September 15th through 21st. That is correct. Okay. One bird limit a day. Okay. Well, there's been so much interesting stuff going on. I've been seeing things about walleye. Tell you what, let's take our final break. And when we come back, I want to ask you about uh, why people are stocking walleye in our Idaho lakes. Carhartt makes gear to get you through anything. So D&B Supply offers a wide selection to outfit any day, any task, and any weather. Built to stand the test of time and have your back no matter what comes your way, Carhartt clothing keeps you comfortable all day long. And for extra hard jobs, check out Carhartt Force, the line that wicks sweat, fights odors, releases stains, and works as hard as you do. To outlast them all, get decked out in Carhartt at D&B. When it comes to legendary performance, only a few chainsaws make the cut, like the Husqvarna lineup available at D&B. Years of razor-sharp research led to many of Husqvarna's breakthrough technologies, including anti-vibration dampeners to reduce the impact on your arms and hands, plus a combined choke and stop control that makes the chainsaw easier to start. When you have your work cut out for you, get her done with a Husqvarna. Pick up one at your favorite D&B supply. All right, Greg. So when we uh, when we broke, I kind of teased it a little bit, but there's been a lot of stories I've been seeing recently about walleye, and I guess they've been discovered in Lake Cascade. So what what is going on there? Well, I think for many years, um, folks have been interested in... So walleye is a fun fish to catch. It's a, a very good fish to eat. Mm-hmm. And so there are a large group of folks out there who want Idaho Fishing Game to expand where they can fish and catch for walleyes. Okay. We do have some specific places in Idaho, uh, Goose Creek Reservoir, over by Oakley, Salmon Reservoir, uh, mm-hmm. south of Twin Falls. Those are contained bodies of water where there's no risk of walleye getting out. Okay. They can cause some pretty significant issues with other populations of fish. So when we found them in Lake Cascade, that was bad news because we have put a lot of time and effort into rehabilitating that body of water to bring back the perch fishery that had been there for Mm -hmm. decades that people enjoyed. If walleye get established in there, you know, that perch population could be damaged again. That's why stocking fish illegally has a special rule in code that allows a magistrate to fine them up to $10,000, which is different than some of our other codes because it's a serious matter. So now, if somebody is stocking these illegally, is it is it a felony or is it still a misdemeanor? It's still a misdemeanor. But with a $10,000 With fine. a $10,000 yeah. So just for everybody listening, in the state of Idaho, misdemeanors are almost always capped at a $1,000 fine, and then felonies can allow up to a $10,000 fine. But right. this is the special <laughs> yes. exception. 
here. Very interesting. So where are people getting the walleye to put in Lake Cascade? Are they catching them in Salmon Reservoir and then keeping them alive and taking them up? I mean, how is this? I know you don't know specifically how it's happening, but what are what are your best theories? Well, I think that's probably the best guess because many boats these days have a live well, Mm -hmm. and so you can put fish in a live well. That would probably not be adequate to transport fish from salmon all the way to Cascade. They would have to employ some other majors to make sure that they were oxygenated and survived Mm -hmm. that that long trip. But wherever they came from, which, so it did require some thought and some effort to keep them alive to get them all the way up there, so. Wow, and I'd, I'd seen the news story recently of a young lady who had caught one. Uh, in Lake Cascade. Uh, do we know of more that have been caught up there? Or is that the first one we know of? It's the first one that, that I'm aware of, yeah. Okay. But uh, if one was caught, it's a pretty good indication there's more. Correct. Really interesting. Well, that's unfortunate. You'd hate to see it damage the other fish populations and ruin all that good work that, that has gone on. Well, exactly. And uh, Lake Cascade is one that is not contained. There is you know, irrigation water getting pulled from that reservoir. And so mm-hmm. there's risk of those getting into the Payette River and literally getting all the way down river into the Snake River. Is that right? So, yeah, there could be long-lasting effects of an illegal stocking of fish. Okay, well, a lot to keep our eye on this year. Greg, thank you so much for coming back and, and being on the show again and updating us on all these new changes we need to know about. My pleasure. Thank you all for joining us today, and here is to you and your pursuit of the country lifestyle, however you define it. For the DNB Show, I'm Matt Breckwald. <laughs>